Thank you. Well, let's check this thing out. Oh, yeah, it's working. Good morning. Uh, I thought and thought and prayed and prayed, you know, when Brian asked and, and when he asked you, know that he's heard from God because first place, I believe Brian always hears from God. I respect him as who he is, our pastor, and when he asks you, he's heard from God that you should speak, then you need to seek and make sure that that's what he's hearing. And I knew that's what he was hearing, but then I had to seek and see if that's for sure if that's what I was hearing, because <laughs> I knew he had already heard. So I want to speak today on a, on a message that we've heard spoke many, many, many times, and we'll keep on hearing it until we're not here no longer, is about faith. And I entitled this message, Keeping Our Faith. And people think, well, you lose your faith? I don't think you lose your faith. I just don't think you know how to activate it. I think you don't know what to do with it sometimes. I think you wonder if you even have any. But it's never gone. I believe that that's there just like our salvation is. Once you've accepted it, God's given you a measure of faith, and it's there. Sometimes we just get so confused in our everyday living that we don't know what to do with our faith. We feel like we are, but we're doing nothing sometimes. So if you'd put the first verse up, uh, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now we're familiar with this verse. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, for the evidence of things not seen. I had another translation I wanted to read before we go on. It's, this was from a God's Word translation. It said that faith assures us of things we expect and convinces us of all the existence of things we cannot see. You know, we take that verse as just being something that we accept because we're Christians. We hear that verse all the time that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But in this other translation, it says, faith assures us of things we expect. You're assured that I'm standing up here, are you not? Does someone have to convince you that you see me up here? I don't think nobody could say that. So you're sure that I'm here. Speaking at this moment, we have to have that verse come to the point of that we are sure that we're going to expect something about hope. And that's another thing I was reading and understanding about thinking hope, what we hope that we're okay, we hope that we don't get sick, we hope our family's safe, we hope that we keep our job, we hope and hope and hope. And those are all great things under the umbrella of hope, but that's not the hope that they're talking about here. And that's not the hope of being saved, going to heaven, that's all part of it. The hope is believing in that when we believe in God, that everything that he said in this word is going to happen, that's the blessed hope that we believe in. That's the hope that we have a hard time hoping for. I always say, oh, we hope that we're going to... It's a hope that knowing that when you have the assurance that you can expect that that hope is going to bring you things you don't see. Why, how can you see things if you don't have an assurance of that what you're trusting in, which is God, is going to actually happen. That's the problem we have with faith. We go up and down with it, up and down with it, because we're not really sure that we're going to believe that whatever God says in His Word is really going to happen, because sometimes it doesn't. Does that mean it's not happening? It's happening in God's plan. We have to accept that. I wanted to mention about faith in humanity's sense. Uh, it says, faith in humanity is believing that the good outweighs the bad and the good will always win in the end. You know, that's a common concept of faith in humanity. 
that we believe people are initially good. Now, granted, we can look at countries, dictatorships. We can look at people who have done bad things. Stuff. Well, everybody's not good. We're not saying that everybody is good. The basic principle of the concept of faith in humanity is that people are good. And if the good keeps going, it's going to win over the bad. You know, this has got nothing to do with religion. It's got nothing to do with the concept of Christianity. Even just anyone would believe, well, if the good's going to win over the bad, if you just say that. Yeah, I believe the good would probably win over the bad when they probably didn't really care one way or the other. That's just the concept of humanity. Then faith in yourself is another thing that we all accept and understand. And to me, is become more of a concern the way people feel than about humanity. People have got to where they don't really care about humanity. And I say don't. This is a generalized statement. There are lots of things going on right now. Good people doing good things. But in general, there's not a consideration for each other like there used to be. Times have changed. People have changed. And faith in yourself means you can accomplish things with your own abilities. When you believe in yourself, you can overcome self-doubt to obtain the confidence to accomplish more. Which is true. But when you get so concerned about having faith in yourself, you don't trust other people. You only trust yourself, and you definitely will not trust a higher being. And our being is, is God, the God of the Bible. So the worldly view of faith is that you trust and acquire trust, accomplish everyday choices, and always have a vision of what you want to accomplish in the future. That's a good thing to have. I mean, even if you're not a Christian, always a trust, have trust, Accomplish everyday choices. We all have to do that every day in our lives. We have to accomplish some kind of choice and have a vision of what you want to accomplish in the future. If you do not have a vision of some sort, then your life is stale. It's just, it's, it's non-existent in a sense. You say, well, I get up, I go to work. I, 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 I. Everybody knows that. But what, what is your vision, your purpose of why you're doing these things besides just to have money, to buy a car, to go somewhere and that's getting less and less and less to have. <laughs> more and more stuff is costing. But you've got to have some kind of vision. It's hard to accomplish these visions when you go back to the humanity. Does humanity give you a good vision? We used to think that it did. That you can't look to a nation. You can't look to a government and think that this is what humanity's. This is the faith I've got. It's hard to have faith in governments in, in groups of people. I'm not saying that everybody's bad. But that's not where we can put our faith to have this kind of Ability to get the things that they think you should have when you're trusting in yourself. So you lean to yourself again then. You go back to yourself. Well, I can get this done. I don't have to put up with this. I don't have to do what they say. And then you become legalistic. But yet, even legalistically, you don't want to go under no laws because you've got your own self. And you think, well, I'll just do it on my own. When you get enough people doing that, that turns into chaos. There's no rule of order. There's, there's no morality. There's just what everybody feels to make sure that it's a good thing. And you've got faith that that's going to work out for you. And lots of people live that way. They believe it's going to work out for them. So it's keeping our faith in God also requires trust. We know that. In order to truly embrace what he has planned for you, I want you to look at this first. We've heard this a lot of times, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. This is a verse that we've heard Hundreds of times if you've been in church and you think, oh, what has that got to do with our faith, with keeping our faith? How many times when you get in a situation, 
Let me just ask you right now. Have you got a time in your life that you've thought something that you wanted or didn't want? Probably everybody thought, well, I've got something I've, I've always wanted. I've got something I don't want. So you put your faith to test. And you say, I'm going to pray about this. Maybe some people don't even pray about it. They just try to get rid of it the best they can or try to get it the best they can. But when it comes back to this, what we're saying, that trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding, that's very difficult to do sometimes when you've got a very difficult thing to do it with, which is your own self, and you're trying to say, okay, I know this is a situation I need to pray about, but, you know, I've looked and I've seen this and I've seen people and this didn't happen, this did happen, and on and on and on until you've convinced yourself that I don't completely want to trust God 100%. When we really have no opportunity to do nothing else, if we put ourselves in this position, in this position, which one would you rather be in? Who would you rather making sure that you're trusting in in God Almighty who created everything that has all the answers in the Bible to take care of this situation or your best friend or your wife or your husband or the whole church. I'm not saying that you, they don't need to pray for you, support you, but I'm talking about putting all your understanding in them. Are you willing to put all your understanding in me? You don't want to offend me. I don't think you are. I don't think nobody is. And I think it's really hard to think that you would put it even in your spouse or in your parents. You would do it because you love them and you would believe that they were not going to do anything against you. But putting all your trust, all understanding to where they're going to make the decision that's going to be right for you. That's impossible for a man. Man cannot do that for each other. So when you take verses like this, you start thinking, that's how I keep my faith. I look to the scripture seeing what do I need when I get in the position that my faith doesn't diminish, doesn't go down or go up. I have to find a scripture that supports me on what I'm dealing with. It says, without this complete trust, you're like what James said in James 1, 5 through 8, if you'd put that scripture. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that the Lord will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Now, when you read this verse, you're thinking, oh, ain't no use to me praying if I'm not sincere because God has already said, on you. I'm not going to do nothing for you. When you kind of look at that, that's what it kind of seems. But that's not what God is talking about. God is talking about he cannot help you if your faith is not going to be where he needs it to be. It says God is pleased by faith. And it, it's not, when I read that one time, I was thinking, so if I don't have faith, he's not really pleased with me. So if he's not pleased with me, he's not really going to do nothing. What, this is contradicted. You've got to understand what God's saying when he's pleased. When your child or, your, or a person that you've got in your life or anything that happens does the right thing and you know that it's benefited them, it's done a good thing for them, are you not pleased or would you rather see them suffer? Well, I've, I really wish you'd get better, but you know, you've been kind of an aggravation, so I don't care if you stay sick or not. Tell the truth. We don't pray like that. We don't believe like that. Then our Father, who has all the knowledge and all the power to do that, is what he's saying. If you ask for wisdom, I'll give you wisdom. I'm that good to you. I want to give you wisdom so you can understand what I'm trying to tell you. Don't do like this. When you get the wisdom from God and he says, don't come to me and say, God, this is what I need. This is what I'm going through. 
I need a word that says what I can deal with this. Then he says, then this is the word. Then they'll say, yeah, but I seen so-and-so and said, there is no buts in this verse. I said, do like this and I'll do this. If you do like this, this will happen. But we don't believe that. We believe that we can accept that and say, oh, listen, you know, things happen in the earth, God. You know, sometimes things don't go our way. Sometimes it's just not good. So you become double-minded. And then you're just like this and like this. And God is displeased with that because he cannot help you. He's reaching his hand out and you're going, no, no, wait, wait a minute. Yeah, grab my hand. Oh, wait a minute. I got to do something. Wait, I'll give him a hand just a minute. That's why he's displeased. That's why the verse says that. It says, for let not the man suppose that he will receive anything. It says, God reminded the Israelites in this in Joshua 3.10. If you'll put that verse up, I wanted to give you a little insight on something I heard Joseph uh, Prince talked about. Now, this is, this is the verse that uh, I think it was previous before that. It might have been after. This is when Joshua was going to the, red, or to the, the river. <laughs> Jordan River, sorry. Thank you. To the Jordan River, and he'd done the miracle just like they did at the Red Sea. You know, he had the ark, but they had him walk down to the Jordan. And the Jordan backed up all the way to another city. It didn't just move apart, and they kind of went through muddy. It backed all the way up to another town and stopped and dried out. And so the, all the Israelites could go across. So I wanted to read this verse. And Joshua said, by this you shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will will not fail, will without fail drive out from you before you the Canaanites and the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites and the Gershgashites and the Amorites and the Jebusites. So now we've heard a lot of things about the verses, about these people. We talk about if you've got all these sites in your life, you need to have them out of the way. And that's true. But I want to give you a little insight on what this was about. You think, well, this was when the Israelites was going, and these people had different beliefs, different views. God did not want the Israelites to be influenced by them. So he said, everywhere you go, you're going to run these people out, completely destroy them. You need to have a pure faith walking because what I've got for you to go to the promised land. And I, it was really interesting because I think I'd seen it before. I really didn't pay any attention, but I wanted to just to uh, talk about it again that what Joseph Prince had mentioned in this about the, the different groups of people and what they stood for, and no wonder they wanted these people out. God wanted to get rid of them because what they stood for, not just in some of the beliefs, their actions, the Canaanites were barters. That's what Canaanites meant. They were barters. How many times in your faith walk that you've thought that you are really where you need to be and you've bartered with God about something? It doesn't matter if it's minute or whatever. You've done like the double-minded man. But God, I tell you what, if you'll just, if you just, if just whatever it is, you're bartering with him. You know, God doesn't barter. God says what he'll do. God says this is what will happen if not. And this is not a legalistic God we're talking about. We're talking about a loving father who says, I will give you whatever you need to get you through whatever you're doing, period. To make it simplifies. That's got nothing to do with the law. But if you barter with God, you're going to get what you're trying to barter for. He doesn't barter. The Hittites. Hittites stood for fear and terror. So do we think we need any of that in our faith walk? And people said, yeah, but when you get really sick, when you've had a death in your family, when you're going through divorce, when you've had a tragic thing, is there not fear and terror? Of course there is. 
We're not talking about you have no emotions. I'm not speaking to robots that I can turn off. We know these things exist. What we're trying to do is keep our faith. You keep your faith by finding verses that help you deal with fear and terror. You don't let fear and terror tell you what to do with the Scripture. That's what we do. We go backwards. We, even in that fearful mood, even in that terrified, that I'm terrified. I don't know what to do. I can't stand this no more. Find something that tells you what to do because you can't stand it no more. That's what the Scriptures does. It brings those extreme things into extreme answers. The Hivites were squatters. I thought that was really good. Lots of times we just want to squat right down where we're at and just say, this is it. You know, there is no getting better. There is no things happening better in my life. You can tell people over and over. You can tell them incidents that happen. But, yeah, but that's, that's, you don't understand me. I don't understand you. I understand me. I, that's right. There's not a one of us here can say that I've went through pain that you don't understand. Well, I've went through pain that you don't understand. We could go back and forth that all the time. Every pain is pain. Some people under, get more extreme pain. More extreme situations happen than others. But can you tell me that my pain was not any less hurt than yours if I was still experiencing pain? If I had terror in my life, I had fear in my life? You can't say, we're, we're judging each other on how we feel like we need to be. That's not what this is about. So we just want to squat down. We don't want squatters in our religion. We don't want squatters in our faith. Our faith has to keep moving. And it has to move all the time. It says, fight the good fight. And that doesn't mean we're constantly going to be in a battle. But it means when something comes up, Raise a sword up and fight about it. Don't sit there and squat and say, this is going to happen. It's never going to get no better. It's never going to get this. The parasites were unwalled villages. No protection. That's what they stood for. They didn't believe in walls. They had no walls around their fortresses, around their towns. That's another thing that happens in our faith. We don't walk with the shield. We don't walk with the helmet. We think that we've conquered some of those things. You know, it's real easy to get self-righteous when things are good. And then when things get bad, we try to go hunting for our faith. And we can't find it as much as we want. Or we say, Marshall, can I borrow your shield? I don't know what it is, mine. You know, that stuff's supposed to be there all the time. And it has to be available all the time. We have to know how to put it on all the time. We, we should be wearing it to where we don't just look and say, what do I do with my shield? It just automatically happens. And then we don't have to worry about that there's no wall. There's no protection. There are gas shots. I'm having fun with just making names up so you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> it says dwellers in clay. Actually, they stood that they were kind of fleshly. And is that not one of the biggest problems we have is faith, is dealing with our flesh. We all have flesh to deal with. There's no denying that. Some people have different degrees of it more than others. Some people have anger. Some people have lust. Some people have just greed, whatever. And, and that doesn't make us no less of a God's person. He, you know, these are issues that we deal with that we conquer as we go on in our walk. But if your faith walk has just been pushed aside, or if it's been broken in two, then the flesh is going to rise up. We all know that. The Amorites, they stood for slander. And don't take this wrong. Social media has the bad side, as we all know, just like it has a great side. It has done many great things. It's still doing great things. But slander, talking, and talking the wrong way is as much being a bully to me 
for God as it is being standing up for him. And, and this is what I mean. If you call yourself a Christian and you talk down to yourself about I'm not getting this or I don't feel like this or on and on and on. Any kind of negative thing you come up, you're, you're bullying God to me. God is saying, so you're disrespecting me. So what you're doing is saying, I don't think you're really who you say you are. And you say, well, I don't do that. Yeah, you do. Because I don't really trust that you're going to take care of my life. I don't really trust that you're going to do these things for me because I'm going through too much stuff. I've been through this. I've been through that. That's slanderous. That's slanderous to God. That's a part that we need to be rid of in our lives. The Jebusites was the last one that said they were considered threshing floor people downtrodden and crushed. When you get all of these things happening in your walk, then that's where you're going to end up. You're going to be downtrodden, you're going to be crushed, and it's going to be hard to get up off the floor. You can sit here and listen to me, but if you start feeling bad enough to where you've got to lay down and being sick, and I'm just making an example, and you say, well, I've got to go home, I feel bad. Well, I understand that. And you just got to go home, and you go home, and you lay down, so I can't do no more. Or you're not going to get anything from what I'm saying because you're gone. You've left. You're going to do the same thing with God if you let these things get in your life and get in your walk to where I just, I just can't take it no more. I'm just, I'm down, I've been beat down. I don't know what to do. You might think that it's easy to get up here and say these things if you think, well, you've never experienced anything. I've experienced some terrible things in my life, honestly. And I don't say that for pity or sympathy. I say that to know that God is real. And he's a strong God and a good God. Some things were brought on by myself. Some things were not. But pain went away. Sickness went away. Good came. Laughter came. Joy came. And it always does. But you cannot do it by walking a life of all this crap that gets in the middle of faith. It just won't happen. You can pray and beg and plead and do all you want. That's not what faith is about. Faith is believing that the scripture says what it says and it will happen. And you hang on to it and don't get downtrodden and crushed. It said, God give us this great example in, in these people here that if we do have faith in his word, we must keep also our faith activated by speaking faith. Remember speaking things that you wanted or didn't want to happen in your life. We were told to activate our faith by speaking in good times and bad times. I want to show you a few verses that just shows you that if you'll turn to the scripture, and there's many, many more depending on what you're going through, but I like some of these in Romans 8, 26. Likewise, the spirit also helps in our weakness, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. We don't have to be concerned that we don't know how to pray about a situation. We all know that the Holy Spirit is there for us. That the Holy Spirit will take over. Sometimes all you need to do is just say, here I am. I don't even need to tell you, God, what's going on in me. You know. I'm just not where I am, need to be. I can't say nothing. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to think. I'm just not working. And you'll hear from him. God does not say, well, I've got to hear something from you. You've got to speak or you've got to knot your eye or do something. That's not the way it is. We've got a miraculous saying of having the Holy Spirit 
that can actually come into our lives and control and help us get to a point to where we can actually communicate more than just, just by being there. And Isaiah 41.10, if you'd put that up. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. Do we take verses like this just for granted, thinking that's another nice verse in the Old Testament? You, you see what that's actually saying? Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. So do we think some verses are just lies? We really don't think that'll happen. That's not, I don't believe that. We know that these verses. But your faith comes alive when you put these verses in response to what you're dealing with. Your faith cannot be contaminated by all the other things that you're hearing or saying and speaking. You've got to speak this. People say, well, I'm not into that speaking this over myself. Well, let me ask you, do you ever talk to yourself? Anybody? I talk to myself sometimes when I'm out working. I do. I'm talking, and Evan said, well, who are you talking to? I said, well, I'm talking to myself, but hopefully God's going to understand what I'm saying. He's going to listen. He's going to speak to me. And you think, well, that seems crazy. It's easy for you to talk to yourself. Why can't you talk good things to yourself? What is wrong with that? I never have understood that. You know, you don't have to come up here in front of the church and say, I want to tell you that I'm the head and the tail and so on and so on. There's nothing wrong with that. What Ryan wants us to do with Mark and all those verses, you should be doing that to yourself. You need that in your life just because there's too many things that you will say against yourself that's negative. Because we live in a negative, downtrodden world. And if you listen to two or three things, you're going to repeat that in your mind. And you've got to be real careful that you don't repeat it in your heart. That's where the problem is. Things can enter your mind and you can put them out. But if they go into your heart, you've got to start speaking something else because it's going to stay in your heart. It's going to get stuck. In Psalm 61, 1 through 4, this is one of my favorite verses here. It says, Hear my cry, O God, attend to my prayer. From the end of the earth I will cry to you when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I, for you have been shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in your tabernacle forever. I will trust in the shelter of your wings. This is an amazing verse. I mean, if you think about anything in your life that you're dealing with, I don't care if it's minor or major. He said, attend to me, O God. Hear my prayer. He's mean saying, God, yes. It doesn't say, well, well, I don't feel like that. It doesn't matter whether you feel like that. This doesn't say, God, attend to me when you get time and when I know that you're listening. It says, attend to me, and from the end of the earth, it don't matter where I go, how far I feel down in my life, if I'll just say, God, his, he's right there. He's, he's listening. And you don't think he is? That's got nothing to do with what this verse says. He's listening. And he says, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me up to that rock higher place. You think, well, is everything going to be perfect? I don't know when or how. But he's going to lead me up there. And when I'm up there, he's going to say, I'm going to show you eventually. Because I've got you on a place that you can't see right now. Because you're in the dark. You're down low. But I'm taking you up to a higher place. And when your eyes get focused, and when you get ready, I've got you right here. I know you got to do is open up and say, God, I didn't know I was, that was. 
That's what we do. We don't believe he's taken us there. We want him to take us there. Then we want to say, oh, yeah, thank you. He already takes us there. He already knows. It says, for you have been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in your tabernacle forever. I will trust in the shelter of your wings. That's what we have to do to keep our faith moving. We have to believe that we're always under his wings, always under his protection, and that's going to happen. In Matthew eleven twenty-eight thirty, 28, 30, this is one of my favorite verses too that Jesus said. Come to me, all you who are labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and, lean, and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, sometimes I think we take these verses and we just have heard them so many times and we know that they mean good things when you're dealing with stuff. But these, these are faith verses. These are the verses that you put into your faith walk and knowing that when you run into walls or run into anything, you look straight to God, straight to Jesus because he's saying, don't feel downtrodden. Don't feel like that you're pulling all the weight yourself. Take that yoke off. Take mine. Because it's too easy to keep your yoke. Because there's nothing wrong with being a person who is able to take care of their self, take care of their family, do good things, and want to try to straighten things out. But there's lots of things that we can't do nothing about that God has got to give us direction. I wanted to uh, leave you with three or four things here that there's many, many things that we can find in the scripture that goes along with this message. But out of all the things that has to do with faith, which the whole word has to do with faith in the Bible, is that if you'll choose to act in faith, I want you to listen to these three things that happens and then this is what happens with God. You allow yourself to obtain God's wisdom. If you'll just understand the look of the scripture, you'll allow yourself to obtain God's wisdom. What else would you want besides God's wisdom that's any better? Some, I, I know I've talked to people who said, well, I don't really feel like I get it. I've prayed for wisdom and this and that. No, 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 no. Wisdom, wisdom is a miraculous thing that comes from God. This is not you just wake up one day and 22, and you just start doing all these things. That may happen. We're talking about the wisdom of God that transcends every kind of thought and imagination that you can even imagine or think about. You get that kind of wisdom acting in your mind to where, will I not make a mistake? Sure, you'll make a mistake. Will I not do something wrong? You probably will. We're, we're still dealing with the flesh. But that wisdom grabs a hold of you and directs you. If you do not have that wisdom, you're going to keep on making mistakes because you can't go in your own wisdom. It says it gives us access to his promises. That should be enough to know that if you'll just keep this in mind when you have your everyday walk from when you leave this church, every day, every day, every day, every day, every day, every day, you know you can get God's wisdom and you have access to his promises. Does it not do anything for Christians? And I'm not saying we're all like this. To not know the kind of promises we've been given? It doesn't matter if you leave this earth. That's the biggest promise. Nobody wants to get sick and wants to leave when they're not ready. But the scripture says 
that I'll keep you here until you're ready. Then believe that you're going to stay, that you're going to get better if it's sickness. Or believe that you're going to go when you're ready. And then the promise is that you're going to be up there not dealing with anything we're down here talking about right now. And, it's, and that's the biggest promise, and it's going to be perfect forever. I mean, what a promise. But the promises are here for now. You can accept all those promises. And when you don't have any kind of insight what to do, get that little book of promises. Those things are so good, people that come out them. Read the book of promises. Read them over and over to you. Sooner or later, one of them's going to catch your eye and say, yeah, I've been needing to hear that. And there's nothing wrong with friends and family and praying and stuff. I'm not saying disregard all this stuff. We know what we have to do for each other. But we're talking about when there's times that you feel like even nobody can help you. Don't forget about this. And it says that you can hear directly from God through the Holy Spirit. That's the miracle, one of the most miraculous things that we can actually hear from Him. That we can actually know that we're talking to God when we talk. And we kind of just think that that's really not that big a deal. We know that He hears us. If, if I could just say, listen, I don't know what all you people think, but you know what I've got right here to do like Superman thing? God. Say, so what are you talking about? I've got actual God in here. I can just go, you're gone. We'll stop the world. I mean, that sounds like kind of a funny thing to do, but that's what we have. We have the God who created everything, that's thought of everything, that will think of everything, has everything planned out, has no problem with Russia doing whatever, China doing whatever. He has no problem with nothing. Yes, we have a problem with it. We live on this earth and we'll have to deal with things. But we serve a God who has already seen this, knows what's going to happen, is in control of your body, of your mind, of your friends, of your families, of the world. And we got access to that through the Holy Spirit. And we got to keep it always activated. Our faith will diminish if we forget about these things that God said, I've given you. And there's lots of people that knows this, and they're doing it. That's why we're having revivals. That's why great things are happening. We're not the only ones that just all of a sudden, you know, I just didn't figure this out. I'm just trying to pump myself up to know that this is what I've got. Don't let your faith beat you down. Don't come in here just thinking, what am I going to do? Waiting to hear something that's going to help me. If you need something to help you and you can't find someone to pray for you or give you a word, search for it. I don't care if you don't feel like it. Open it up and tell somebody, say, would you read me something in the Bible? I just called you. If you think, well, that sounds ridiculous. I don't want to talk to you. Just read me something right now from God's word where I can hear something. Because I know since I've asked, he's going to give you something. And you just read something to somebody. I needed that. You don't have to call them and give them everything about the whole life story that's going on sometimes. And sometimes you do. But we've got these great accesses to God's word, to all of his promises, to him actually speaking to us. You know, there's no more like the Old Testament. We've got to do something to get there. We've got to let someone else do something so we can have something. That was all done when Jesus died. We know that. The, it was tore. There's no more. We don't walk around and say, is God got a minute? He's always got a minute because there's no time. It's hard for us to fathom that. I can just say, what are you doing? Nothing. I've been talking to 15 zillion people every second. What are you doing? <laughs> I mean, you're number one. And he talks to me. 
And you think, well, that, you know, that's about ridiculous to think about. But that's the way it is. You're always number one. You're always the one he wants to talk to if you want to talk to him. And that makes a great thing to keep our faith going. So when our faith gets where it's hurting and it's not working, then we just need to say, why, why do we have faith? Why do we even care about faith? Because faith is important to us because that's what makes our existence. That's what keeps us alive. If you would, just stand with me, please. I want to pray and dismiss this. God, we do thank you so much that you've given us everything in, in the Word that will take care of everything. There's no need to try to make a broad statement about it. But Lord, just help us direct ourselves, keep our focus on what we need to do every day, whether it's in the good times, the bad times, any kind of little direction or any kind of major direction that we need from your word, God, let us know that you've given it to us. If we just keep our faith activated and strong in you, God, you're going to do what we need to do. Let us not give up. Let us not get weary. We thank you for your goodness, your mercy, and your grace when we need it. And God, we just ask that you just guide each person here, each family. Bless each one, Lord, as we just go each day of this week until we get back again. And thank you again, Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.